Moncrief with Energlaze on News Talk. Jonathan DeBurka Butler is with us uh, once again to bring us stories from other parts of the world. Afternoon, Sean. Jonathan. How are you getting on? Uh, right. Uh, the uh, the this is uh, the US. We're going to start mm. with uh, where uh, the idea of having female pastors is suddenly <laughs> a bad one. Well, it is for a certain cohort. Uh, that's the largest Baptist denomination in the country. I think they're actually the largest. Protestant denomination in the country. They're called the Southern Baptist Convention, right? And they're an association of over 47,000 Baptist church and they've got a membership of 13 million, although their numbers apparently are dwindling. And I think amongst their their female followers, they might lose a few more after their most recent Mm. decision that they made at their latest convention, which took place in New Orleans. I think it was just last week, right? So they've basically decided that they're going to expel two churches for having female pastors. Now, one of those churches is called Saddleback Megachurch, and that's based in Southern California. And the reason it's a megachurch <laughs> is because it's got 25,000 members. Right. And it was, okay. in fact, the second biggest congregation of the Southern Baptist Convention up until last week. But because they uh, decided that they wanted to have female pastors and they, uh, and they uh, allowed three of them to hold office, um, they kicked them out. Uh, the church itself, or this this particular Saddleback Church, uh, decided to appeal the decision. It went to the convention last week. The convention members, or delegates, delegates which are called messengers, by the way, uh, voted not to uh, have them back into the uh, con- Southern Baptist Convention, so they're gone. And uh, it stirred quite a bit of controversy in various different corners of, of uh, the United States. The Washington Post covered it, the New York Times covered it, so you can see like there's a broader sort of... Uh, yeah. Uh, was culture this a, war around yeah, this. Sorry, is, John. Was this a new development to have female pastors or had they always had them and then the, 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 the Baptist Convention decided, no, we're not going to have this anymore? Yeah, no, I don't think they'd always had them uh, and it was a new development and this is seen as, as, as I was saying, sort of as an extension of the culture wars really and that it's a kind of a pushback against you know, the increased secularization as some of the members and apparently a majority of the members of this uh, SBC uh, have, have been seeing over the, the, the last number of years. Um, so in total now, I believe five churches have actually been expelled by SBC. Now that's, as I said, out of a total of 47,000. 47, yeah. Um, but, you know, that number uh, of that particular Californian church, the Saddleback one, is very significant and probably the reason it got quite a bit of coverage or at least uh. increased coverage. Plus, also imagine it's significant in a financial sense as well. It given is, that, yeah. you know, these places have their own TV channels, yeah. and it's all whistles and bells, and someone's paying for that. Exactly, and 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 members of this particular uh, organisation get what they call financial ministry assistance, which is another way of saying loads of money uh, yeah. if you're a member of our association. <laughs> and the bigger you are, presumably, the more you get. Yeah, and SBC is no stranger to controversy anyway. Wasn't no. there uh, allegations before? Yeah, it, it was in 2022. There was an investigation into it and it was found to have covered up decades of abuse within the church, church as well, which um, they met with, you know, uh, reports of which they met with a lot of resistance. So they're... they're they would see it, I suppose, or certain members because they're a big organisation. Yeah, you know, like any organisation, they've different viewpoints. So certain members would see them as fighting a battle on several fronts against, you know, yeah, uh, as I said, increased secularisation, which yeah. some of them don't like. But this is a church of thirteen million, 13 people. million people. That's that's, yeah. that's huge, right? Egypt, we're going to go to uh, next, uh, where an execution has taken place. Who was executed, Jonathan? What yeah, did they do? It's, it's uh, execution of a young man by the name of Mohammed Adel. He was twenty-two. 
to um, last week when he was executed. Um, he is the 24th person to be executed this year in uh, Egypt. Um, and the reason for it was because he murdered someone, uh, specifically uh, a fellow student of his, a woman, 21-year-old woman by the name of Nayera Ashraf. They were students at the same university. It's called uh, Mansoura University. I'm not sure if they had a relationship or or not, but what mm. seems to have happened is that this man made advances towards her and proposed marriage on several occasions. And when she refused, he started sending her threatening text messages. So the, the, the reason the text messages are important is that obviously he, he managed to get her number somehow. So they must have had some sort of an association beforehand, yeah. right? So in some of the text messages, he threatened to cut her throat and on the 20th of June last year, he actually followed through on that. Uh, he waited until she had finished her exams. She was walking out of the university and he attacked her and murdered her. Uh, I don't need to go into the details no, of it, no. really, to be honest with you. But um, he was arrested straight away and was charged and sentenced quite quickly within a week. In fact, he was sentenced to death last year. He did uh, uh, go on appeal in February of this year, but that was rejected. And so he was uh, he was executed last week. Yeah. Uh, I wonder what the basis of the appeal was. Would he have would they have cited any sort of mental health issues no, there? Uh, they, they wouldn't have, uh, to be honest with you, because he admitted to everything. He admitted that it was premeditated, how he had planned it, why he had planned it and why he wanted to do it, which made the whole thing so much easier to yes, process yeah. and was the reason why the conviction yeah. and the sentencing went through so and quickly. And there were videos of the, of the actual videos that murder went online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now the prosecution actually wanted the execution to be carried out in public to act as a deterrent for other people because there's been an increase in, in uh, women being murdered over the last number of years. Just to give you an idea, in 2020 there was 165 women murdered and that went up to 296 in 2021. Now no doubt the pandemic had a significant part to play in that but still mm. almost doubled within a year yeah right uh peru uh we're going to go to uh next where the health minister has resigned why yeah this is the health minister uh, former health minister rosa gutierrez she's part of uh, the president's cabinet dina bolwarte who hasn't been in power for a particularly long time i think she's only about a year at this stage and um, but she has had to resign because there is an outbreak of dengue fever in peru at the minute mm. now dengue fever is something that i actually see a lot of coverage about right particularly in Africa and various different places, but I don't think I've ever done a story on it before, generally because it's not particularly dramatic, right? Yes. N- n- if you compare it to malaria, where 400,000 yeah. people die a year, only 20,000 only twenty thousand people die of dengue fever yes. a year. But this particular outbreak is very significant. So far, and this was four days ago that I had the, got this total, 248 people in Peru have died from dengue fever, okay? Very significant. And there's 146 cases, particularly in uh, it's particularly affecting northern Peru, which means, of course, that hospitals are overwhelmed and yes. aren't dealing with it. So somebody had to fall on their sword. And that, unfortunately, in this case, fell to the health minister, Rosa Gutierrez, who had faced a motion of no confidence anyway, uh, but decided that she would resign. Um, mm. But what that's going to change in terms of dealing with the outbreak, I don't know, to be yeah. honest with you. Because uh, but, it, but, it, but would it be the case that... the, the, the the, the number of cases increasing rather than decreasing. She hadn't got it to a point where this looks like we have it under control. No, she hadn't got it to any point where it was under control. But to be fair to her, the last time that they had a uh, something like this, because they're dealing with El Nino floods as well, and that's actually 
increasing the amount of rain, which of course increases breeding mm. conditions for mosquitoes. And there you go. The last time they had this in 2017, and there was a coronation, correlation with El Nino that was 60,000 cases. Already they have 146,000 cases and there are going to be more. Oh, so wow. any yeah. contingency that they made for this, they could not have predicted that it was going to be two and a half, three times worse than what came before. Yeah. Cranky. Uh, right. Uh, Finland, we're going to go to uh, next, where uh, a far right party uh, looks like it's going to be part of the government. It, it is part of the government. And in fact, the prime minister just a couple of hours ago was sworn in Pateri Orpa, which, of course, means the end of Sana Marin, uh, mm. which is an awful pity altogether. Um, so she's gone and Pateri Orpa will be leading what has been called a centre-right slash slightly little further right coalition. <laughs> There's four parties involved and the National Coalition Party and the Finns Party are the two main, one, main ones. So the Finns Party came in second in the latest election. I think they got 46 seats. The National Coalition Party got 48. And they are going to be in government along with two other smaller parties, right? So it's significant because... Um, they have been in government before. I think they were in government in 2015, but it didn't last particularly long and it didn't go particularly well for them. This time they have form far more power, this uh, far right. Some people call them far right. Other people are, you know, don't really know what they're like. Um, they'll have far more significant influence, right? So they've got 17 out of nine, seven, sorry, out of 19 ministries, including finance and justice. And the big thing that they've got in their government uh, policy document that's been issued is now that they're going to be tightening tightening restrictions around immigration, citizenship and all that kind of thing. So it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. Uh, They wouldn't be fans of the EU? They're not fans of the EU, but I'm not sure that they're going to do a... Fins, Fins Exit or whatever yeah. they're called it there. <laughs> um, it, yeah, yeah <laughs> uh, I don't think they're going to be doing that. They have softened their stance, I think, on the European Union in recent years. Probably the Russian invasion uh, had an awful lot to do with that yes. in terms of yeah. it's probably better to be part of an alliance. And they were certainly pro-NATO, uh, which, of course, Finland joined, what is it now, two months ago, three yeah. months ago at this stage. They were very much pro that. Um, so they have softened their stance and they've had to because they've been in coalition before and they'll be in this coalition again. Finland aren't going to be leaving the EU anytime soon. Um, so, the, but the fact that they got these, you know, these cuts to refugee quotas and they're tightening up immigration will be the thing that their voters are happiest about. I think. Yeah. Uh, right, Namibia uh, uh, next, and uh, they're going to start selling crocodiles. They're going to start selling crocodiles, which is a bizarre way of dealing with the problem of overpopulation in the country. They're selling 40 crocodiles specifically, at least that's where they're starting it. And they're going to do it uh, in an auction in July. Now, the reason for this is because there has been an increase in the number of crocodile attacks on humans, right? Because of overpopulation, more crocodiles being forced onto banks. They're coming into contact with humans. It's not just crocodiles. It's happening with elephants and all sorts Mm. of animals right across Africa. And the government are having to pay out more money over the last, uh, have had to pay out an increased amount of money over the last number of years in compensation. So they can't do it anymore. And so they're getting rid of some of the crocodiles. Now, I was looking at this and I was saying, right, 40 crocodiles for sale. But how much is the population? Like how many crocodiles are there in Namibia? It turns out there's 11,000 of them. So 40 (laughs) is not a particularly large uh, dent in that population. So I'm not 100% sure what the reason behind selling these 40 crocodiles is for. It could be a way of getting people to come into the country, giving them license to go and shoot crocodiles, which they are also offering as part of this package to deal with them as well. So it might be a clever PR stunt. uh, But as I said, 
selling 40 crocodiles isn't going to uh, resolve the situation anytime well, soon. Well, maybe think. they're just putting up initially, putting 40 up just to see what kind of see response they get. And then, you know, then it'll be Harvey Norman time exactly. uh, for crocodiles. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and, and is there any particular reason or uh, have they been able to ascertain why there's been this huge increase in, in the crocodile population? I don't know. That's yeah. a good question, but I don't know, to be honest with you. I couldn't uh, and, answer. and presumably they're just like attacking people because... They're coming into proximity yeah, exactly. with them or, yeah, or, or, or Namibians are particularly delicious. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's more to do with the proximity side of things. Yeah. I've, I've known nothing about uh, the taste of Namibians. Well, it's, it, it, it is interesting for a change because you hear about so many species that are under threat and, and uh, crocodiles, at it's least true. in Namibia, yeah, absolutely. Are, uh, are doing particularly well for themselves. Right, what should we look out for over the next week or so? Yeah, on Thursday, uh, Narendra Modi is going to Washington to meet Joe Biden. Uh, Saturday, there's presidential elections in Sierra Leone. Might be a bit of trouble around that, actually. And on Sunday, there's parliamentary elections in Greece as well. So plenty going on. OK, good stuff. Jonathan, thanks Cheers a million. Sure. As ever, Jonathan DeBurka Butler there. Moncrief, weekdays at 2pm. With Energlaze. On News Talk.